Chapter Twenty Seven, Part Two of Etiquette. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Kara Schallenberg. Etiquette in Society, in Business, in Politics, and at Home by Emily Post. Chapter Twenty Seven. Notes and Shorter Letters Part Two The Complimentary Close The close of a business letter should be Yours truly or Yours very truly. Respectfully is used only by a tradesman to a customer, an employee to an employer, or by an inferior, never by a person of equal position. No lady should ever sign a letter respectfully not even were she writing to a queen. If an American lady should have occasion to write to a queen, she should conclude her letter, I have the honour to remain, madam, your most obedient. For address and close of letters to persons of title, see table at the end of this chapter. Close of personal notes and letters. It is too bad that the English language does not permit the charming and graceful closing of all letters in the French manner, those little flowers of compliment that leave such a pleasant fragrance after reading. But ever since the eighteenth century the English-speaking have been busy pruning away all ornament of expression, even the last remaining graces, kindest regards, with kindest remembrances, are fast disappearing, leaving us nothing but an abrupt, yours truly, or Sincerely yours. Closing a formal note. The best ending to a formal social note is Sincerely. Sincerely yours. Very sincerely. Very sincerely yours. Yours always sincerely, or Always sincerely yours. I remain, dear madam, is no longer in use, but Believe me is still correct when formality is to be expressed in the close of a note. Believe me, very sincerely yours, or Believe me, my dear Mrs. Worldly, most sincerely yours. This last is an English form, but it is used by quite a number of Americans, particularly those who have been much abroad. Appropriate for a man. Faithfully or faithfully yours is a very good signature for a man in writing to a woman, or in any uncommercial correspondence, such as a letter to the President of the United States, a member of the Cabinet, an ambassador, a clergyman, etc. The Intimate Closing Affectionately yours, always affectionately, affectionately, devotedly, lovingly, your loving, are in increasing scale of intimacy. Lovingly is much more intimate than affectionately, and so is devotedly. Sincerely in formal notes and affectionately in intimate notes are the two adverbs most used in the present day, and between these two there is a blank. In English we have no expression to fit sentiment more friendly than the first, nor one less intimate than the second. Not good form. Cordially was coined, no doubt, to fill this need, but its self-consciousness puts it in the category with residence and retire 
and all the other offences of pretentiousness, and in New York at least it is not used by people of taste. Warmly yours is unspeakable. Yours in haste, or hastily yours, is not bad form, but is rather carelessly rude. In a tearing hurry is a termination dear to the boarding-school girl, but its truth does not make it any more attractive than the vision of that same young girl rushing into a room with her hat and coat half on, to swoop upon her mother with a peck of a kiss, and with a, "'Bye, mamma," whirl out again. Turmoil and flurry may be characteristic of the manners of to-day. Both are far from the ideal of beautiful manners which should be as assured, as smooth, as controlled as the running of a high-grade automobile. Flea-like motions are no better suited to manners than to motors. Other endings. Gratefully is used only when a benefit has been received, as to a lawyer who has skilfully handled a case, to a surgeon who has saved a life dear to you, to a friend who has been put to unusual trouble to do you a favor. In an ordinary letter of thanks, the signature is sincerely, affectionately, devotedly, as the case may be. The phrases that a man might devise to close a letter to his betrothed or his wife are bound only by the limit of his imagination, and do not belong in this or any book. THE SIGNATURE Abroad, the higher the rank, the shorter the name. A duke, for instance, signs himself Marlborough, nothing else, and a queen her first name, Victoria. The social world in Europe, therefore, laughs at us for using our whole names, or worse yet, inserting meaningless initials in our signatures. Etiquette in accord with Europe also objects strenuously to initials, and demands that names be always engraved, and, if possible, written in full, but only very correct people strictly observe this rule. In Europe, all persons have so many names given them in baptism, that they are forced, naturally, to lay most of them aside, selecting one, or at most two, for use. In America, the names bestowed at baptism become inseparably part of each individual, so that if the name is overlong, a string of initials is the inevitable result. Since in America it is not customary for a man to discard any of his names, and John Hunter Titherington Smith is far too much of a penful for the one who signs thousands of letters and documents, it is small wonder that he chooses J. H. T. Smith instead, or perhaps, at the end of personal letters, John H. T. Smith. Why shouldn't he? It is, after all, his own name to sign as he chooses, and in addressing him deference to his choice should be shown." A married woman should always sign a letter to a stranger, a bank, business firm, etc., with her baptismal name, and add, in parenthesis, her married name. Thus, Very truly yours, Sarah Robinson Smith, Mrs. J. H. Titherington Smith. Never, under any circumstances, sign a letter, Mr., Mrs., or Miss., except a note written in the third person. 
If, in the example above, Sarah Robinson Smith were Miss, she would put Miss in parenthesis to the left of her signature. Miss. Sarah Robinson Smith. The Superscription. Formal invitations are always addressed to Mr. Stanley Smith. All other personal letters may be addressed to Stanley Smith, Esquire. The title of Esquire formerly was used to denote the eldest son of a knight or members of a younger branch of a noble house. Later, all graduates of universities, professional and literary men, and important landholders were given the right to this title, which even today denotes a man of education, a gentleman. John Smith Esquire is John Smith Gentleman. Mr. John Smith may be a gentleman or may not be one. And yet, as noted above, all engraved invitations are addressed, Mr. Never under any circumstances address a social letter or note to a married woman, even if she is a widow, as Mrs. Mary Town. A widow is still Mrs. James Town. If her son's wife should have the same name, she becomes Mrs. James Town Sr., or simply Mrs. Town. A divorced woman, if she was the innocent person, retains the right, if she chooses, to call herself Mrs. John Brown Smith, but usually she prefers to take her own surname. Supposing her to have been Mary Simpson, she calls herself Mrs. Simpson Smith. If a lady is the wife or widow of the head of a family, she may call herself Mrs. Smith, even on visiting cards and invitations. The eldest daughter is Miss Smith, her younger sister, Miss Jane Smith. Invitations to children are addressed Miss Catherine Smith and Master Robert Smith. Do not write the Messrs. Brown in addressing a father and son. The Messrs. Brown is correct only for unmarried brothers. Although one occasionally sees an envelope addressed to Mr. and Mrs. Jones, and Miss Jones written underneath the names of her parents, it is better form to send a separate invitation addressed to Miss Jones alone. A wedding invitation addressed to Mr. and Mrs. Jones and family is not in good taste. Even if the Jones children are young, the Mrs. Jones should receive a separate envelope, and so should Master Jones. One last remark. Write the name and address on the envelope as precisely and as legibly as you can. The post office has enough to do in deciphering the letters of the illiterate without being asked to do unnecessary work for you. Business Letters Business letters written by a private individual differ very little from those sent out from a business house. A lady never says, Yours of the sixth received and contents noted, or yours to hand, nor does she address the firm as gentleman, nor does she ever sign herself respectfully. A business letter should be as brief and explicit as possible. For example, Tuxedo Park, New York, May 17, 1922. I Paint and Company, 22 Branch Street, New York. Dear Sirs, Your estimate for painting my dining room, 
library, south bedroom, and dressing room is satisfactory, and you may proceed with the work as soon as possible. I find, on the other hand, that wainscoting the hall comes to more than I had anticipated, and I have decided to leave it as it is, for the present. Very truly yours, C. R. Town, Mrs. Jamestown. THE SOCIAL NOTE There should be no more difficulty in writing a social note than in writing a business letter. Each has a specific message for its sole object, and the principle of construction is the same. DATE ADDRESS, ON BUSINESS LETTER ONLY SALUTATION THE STATEMENT OF WHATEVER IS THE PURPOSE OF THE NOTE COMPLIMENTARY CLOSE SIGNATURE OR DATE HERE The difference in form between a business and a social note is that the full name and address of the person written to is never put in the latter. Better quality stationery is used, and the salutation is, My dear, or dear, instead of dear sir. Example. 350 Park Avenue. Dear Mrs. Robinson, I am enclosing the list I promised you. Louberge makes the most beautiful things. Mower, the dressmaker, has for years made clothes for me, and I think Revaux the best milliner in Paris. Leonie is a little milliner, who often has pretty blouses, as well as hats, and is very reasonable. I do hope the addresses will be of some use to you, and that you will have a delightful trip. Very sincerely, Martha Kindhart. Thursday. THE NOTE OF APOLOGY EXAMPLES Number 1. Broadlawns. Dear Mrs. Town, I do deeply apologize for my seeming rudeness in having to send the message about Monday night. When I accepted your invitation, I stupidly forgot entirely that Monday was a holiday, and that all of my own guests, naturally, were not leaving until Tuesday morning, and Arthur and I could not therefore go out by ourselves and leave them. We were too disappointed, and hope that you know how sorry we were not to be with you. Very sincerely, Ethel Norman, Tuesday morning. 2. Dear Mrs. Neighbour, My gardener has just told me that our chickens got into your flower-beds, and did a great deal of damage. The chicken netting is being built higher at this moment, and they will not be able to damage anything again. I shall, of course, send Patrick to put in shrubs to replace those broken, although I know that ones newly planted cannot compensate for those you have lost, and I can only ask you to accept my contrite apologies. Always sincerely yours. Catherine de Puster, Eminent End of chapter 27, part 2 of Etiquette. Read by Kara Schallenberg on April 27, 2007, in Oceanside, California.